Alrighty. Hey, Zeus with Bruce listeners. Welcome back. Yeah, I've been a bit of a hiatus by just organizing a bunch of stuff and really looking forward to the next slew of episodes we got coming out. So to begin this one, as the title says, to divorce your story and marry the truth. So that's going to be the focus of this episode. But before we begin, I want to ask you guys a question. And this question, there's so many sayings around it, but really, when do people start to live? And it's really when we, when we face death. However, even myself, who I face death maybe six, seven, eight times by now, I don't want to wait till that point or anyone else to wait till that point to start living, right? I prefer not to get to that point. So why is it important to actually remember this and to be aware? Because we all want to live, right? We don't just want to survive. We want to live. We want a life with meaning. We want to really create something and become something and achieve something great, bigger than ourselves. However, um, there's a, a bit of this that actually gets ignored. So I want you to remember this common theme throughout this episode, which I'd like to, for you to also ask yourselves, how many of you are actually married or believe that you're married? And at what age did or did that not happen where you got married? Keep that in mind throughout the story, because I'm going to give an example that's going to really tie that in. As to why it's crucial to, again, divorce your story and marry reality. So I've been living in I live a bunch of different places uh, in the past few years. I've moved abroad and I've lived in Florida and Africa and in the Middle East and all this stuff. So a lot of movement. And now I'm actually in a stable place here in D.C. Although a few months ago, maybe two months ago, I was in Arlington which is a city right across the Potomac River, right across from Washington, D.C., about maybe two, two miles south of the city. So I'm at this Airbnb, and I move in there. It's this big Airbnb. It's just a very temporary setup where there's about five or six different people in this one house. We each have our rooms, very isolated, and the only common area that we share is the kitchen. That's the only area we share. We each have our own bathroom, shower, everything. So one day or should I say one night, I was in my room actually finishing up a podcast. So I finished up the podcast and a few minutes later, I get a knock from one of my sweet mates. Her, her name or the alias I'll give her is Nicole, pretty common name. So Nicole comes to the room and gives a knock. So we hear a knock on the door. I say, oh, Nicole, definitely come in. What's up? She goes, oh, just checking in. How are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing great. Just uh, finished recording a podcast episode. It was really exciting. She goes, yeah, that's so cool. I said, yeah. And it's cool now because I'm actually doing it in one take, regardless of how long it is. Nicole says, what? One take? How'd you, what do you mean one take? I said, yeah, I do it in one take. I like the, the flow of it. I like the lack of double checking what you're saying and you can just go right straight through. As well, a little secret is that I'm actually unsure if I to edit. So that kind of plays a part in doing the entire episode in one take. So Nicole responds, oh, it's so incredible. I wish I could do that. I said, yeah, I mean, definitely you can. I mean, what do you mean? She goes, well, for one of my classes right now, and she's a master's student uh, in Virginia, she goes, yeah, it took me five, it took me five hours to record a five-minute video that she had to present to her class. Five hours. And I think on any measurement, unless you're giving a keynote address to uh, mass populace or it's a president giving the speech or CEO or just something super significant. That's kind of a lot of time. So then she continued and said, yeah, it's actually quite alarming. I mean, the other day 
it took me, what was it? 50 hours to record a 20 minute video, right? So it took 10 times as long to record something that was only four times as long as the original. And for me, I'm just shocked. I thought, okay, it's never perfect, but that long, I mean, you're going to be investing way more than you need to. So Nicole goes on and says, yeah, it's such a shame because even tonight I wanted to go out with one of our sweet mates and I wanted to have fun with them, explore the city and just see so much, but I was stuck and I just don't know if I can break through this. It's just really giving me a lot of trouble. So then at, at this point I had was doing with a newer linguistic program, and, uh, the Dickens process. So I speak with Nicole and say, Nicole, do you mind, you know, let's try, let's give it a shot. I can work with you if you want. We can just do a little something that I think will help you out. And she didn't really hesitate. She said, yeah, absolutely. If there's a way to fix this, let's do this. Comes in the room. I have her stand and I'm sitting down and we begin this process, right? It's a Dickens process that I mentioned earlier, where it's how to eliminate disempowering beliefs and replace and create and then replace those old ones with more empowering beliefs. So we begin the process and it was supposed to only be about eight to 10 minutes, but was way longer than that. I'll get to that. So as we're beginning, I have her write down three beliefs or a few of the beliefs as to why she's in the position she's in now. So she writes them down. I don't look at it. It's just for her. And we begin this process. Within about two to three minutes, she starts breaking down crying. And I didn't expect this to be the outcome that would occur, but it just did. And I rolled with it. Uh, she was very vulnerable and I'm definitely there to just help out and support. So we start for we start for the next five, 10 minutes and we're going this process. We're going through it where we acknowledge these beliefs, what it's caused in the past, present and future. And then eventually we replace them as we're gearing towards the end. She has her breakthroughs and she's empowered again. She's just really feeling herself. And as we finish up, I checked the time and it was 42, 43 minutes, which really shocked me because I thought it was max 20, but went to about 40, 45. Now, Nicole and I, as soon as we conclude, we give a nice big hug and then she takes a seat and we start talking. Nicole goes, wow, it's just, it's just so incredible. I mean, really within just a few minutes, the and down, I basically figured it out that that wasn't really the core of what was going on. That wasn't the actual uh, dynamic at play, let's say. And then I asked, wow, what do you mean? And she goes, well, you know, I thought that it was always that I lacked confidence. I like the ability. I wasn't competent. And this has just plagued me for so long in presenting anything, being my authentic self, how it can be of value to other people. And I, I was taken back. I said, oh, this is awesome. This is great that you're realizing this. And then she goes, well, yeah, because what I realize now is something totally different. What could this be? Nicole goes, well, you know, Bruce, hmm. It's in a few days, it's going to be the 10 year anniversary. I asked Nicole saying, oh, cool. Sure. 10 year anniversary of what? She says, well, it's going to be the 10 year anniversary of when my ex-boyfriend committed suicide. I was taken back very intense and very real and just authentic. And with a stranger, that's something pretty deep to share. And Really, the reason being is we created an environment where that was something that was welcome. And I was shocked. 
I was really shocked. And I mean, just first, any encounter with suicide is just horrific. It's very, it's incredibly challenging. And she continues and she goes, well, I realized though that I've been telling myself for all that time that it's my fault. I, I can never, uh, I'm, I can't be confident again. I can't provide value to anybody. If I, it was my fault that I let someone to do this, that it's, which it's not her fault, right? It's not the person's fault. It's the, it's the, the person who's, who's struggling, who's sick. It's, they're ultimately the one who's making these decisions. And Nicole just had that breakthrough. And at that moment, she goes, yeah, that's not me. Like, I am someone who's confident. I'm capable of giving, capable of loving, capable of providing value and sharing. And what she really did there was there was a story that she adopted 10 years ago, a story that she married, that she actually has held on to until we did this, this process with one another. So when I said in the beginning of thinking about if you've, how many of you are married or if you believe you're married and for how long, if you have been married. And the fact is that we're all married. We're all married to something. It's not necessarily something that we idolize. That's not the same. It's something that we've committed to and that we believe is something that's in, uh, integral to our, our lives, part of our identity. And as we mentioned before, the strongest thing in the human personality is to remain consistent with how we identify ourselves, how we define ourselves. And what I found remarkable is, let me ask you as a question, is that in some cultures, they have arranged marriages. And whether you agree with that or disagree with that, the point being is that it's an arranged marriage that you may not be happy with or you may be ecstatic with. However, regardless of your inclination towards one or the other is that you're aware that it's happening. And there's at least somewhat of a choice. Even if it's totally against what you want and it's opposed by culture so much, you could actually find a way to get out of that. And you're aware. Now, if that's something so serious, marrying someone, and you're at least aware of it, what about the other serious component when your identity, which is the strongest force in your body that really controls your, your world? With that, when you get married so young to a story or an event, as in Nicole's case with the suicide of her ex-boyfriend, or with your first conscious memory of life, you marry that? And the challenge with that that I have is that most people get married and they don't even consent to it. The thing about when you sign a, a contract with a new phone company or anything like this, you don't read the contract, but you know it's there, you're at least aware. And you don't really know the repercussions, but you know that you, you said, okay, you agreed to terms and conditions. When you marry this story, you're not aware of any of that. You don't consent. So what, what Nicole did in this, this event was that she divorced her story, the story she told herself of, oh, this was an objective event, and now this is who I am. This is the story of how I'm going to anchor my life, or anchor how I see myself, and it's going to navigate how I go throughout life. And it really became so damaging. Now, the beautiful part of the story is actually that that was a Friday night. Nicole comes back the next day. She had more assignments to do. And she ends up finishing her assignments, video recordings, early, quick, and solid to the point. I get back Saturday night at about 10.30 from work. She arrives five, 10 minutes after me, incredible timing. And I see her walk in, all dressed up, 
all her makeup's on. She's looking good, feeling good, really in her butt. And the power that divorcing her story and marrying the truth had was her really rediscovering who she really is at the core, having the ability to proceed forward, confidence, the belief that she has value to provide, that she doesn't need 10, 20, 30 takes to get something right because the possible repercussions and consequences could be so dire in her mind as to be the equivalent subconsciously as to what happened with your ex-boyfriend 10 years ago. It's an incredible ending to this, this divorce. Most divorces we find to be horrific or ugly, or even if they're positive, no one gets out of it totally unscathed. The beauty of divorcing your story is that it gives you so much power, so much autonomy, and it lets you be a creator of your destiny and not the manager of your circumstances. And it allows you to be conscious and aware of the direction you want to take your life and to retake a traumatic event and turn it into something beautiful. Divorce your story and marry, marry reality, marry the truth. I think it's what it really comes down to because right now there's so many different stories out there that we can adopt, that we can believe. So many of them that happen to us in passing that we just take as objective fact and reality, which clear example with Nicole's case is that that's not the case. She divorced her story, married reality, and I genuinely hope you can do the same. Thanks for listening.